Hey, how are you? Good, how you doing? I am doing well. What's your name? Where you from? Good, I'm Stephanie Jeffrey. I'm from Chicago. I am a licensed realtor. I am a real estate consultant and a real estate investor. I'm a mom um, and a proud auntie. A proud auntie? Yes. So that, that means that you have siblings. How many siblings do you have? I have two siblings and I, well, really I have three, so. Okay. Mm -hmm. Boys, girls, brothers, sisters. Um, so I'm the baby girl of the family. I have a god sister whom I was raised alongside of. So I consider her a sister, like blood couldn't make us any thicker. Um, and then I have two brothers who are older than me. Okay. All right. Awesome. Do you still stay in Chicago? Um, I am, uh, I would consider myself bi-coastal kind of, so I travel around, so I'm here sometimes, sometimes I'm in Texas, um, I travel to Florida several times a year, um, for various reasons, I'm sorry I lost you, um, for various reasons, so, but I'm in Chicago a lot of the time. Okay, how did you get into real estate? Um, I got into real estate because I realized as I got older, I had to be about 25, 26 ish and realized that um, I did not have adequate financial literacy to get out here and start building wealth for myself and my family. I just realized I didn't know things like um, no one talked to me about how to maintain my credit or um, how to save properly or the importance of owning land and real estate and how important that was. Nobody had those conversations. As a matter of fact, the more I started to meet people during this transition in my life, um, I realized that a lot of families, especially inner city urban families, considered talking about money and wealth to be taboo. Very much. Um, Very much. You so. understand? Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had to uh, try to have these type of conversations with people over and over again. Um, and I find it very interesting that now all of a sudden people are, I, I'm proud of it at the same time, but people are starting to wake up and realize that financial literacy is something that we need to have amongst each other. Uh, so tell yeah. me about that journey that you, that, that how did you get to that point? What, what happened before that, that made that when the light clicked off? Um, so let's see where do I start. Um, I had got sick with Crohn's disease back in like 2007, 2008-ish. Um, doctors thought I had the stomach flu. I kept being misdiagnosed and I was just getting sicker and sicker. And to the point where at the time I had a corporate job, I was managing a law firm in the West Loop and I was taking so much time off work. I was in fear of losing my job. I thought that, you know, I just couldn't continue to do it. And um, it was during that time after leaving, well, two years later, after being diagnosed with Crohn's, I did finally leave that job. But during those two years, I started to prepare myself. So I started saving money. I started thinking, what else can I get into? What else can I do um, and to make money? And that's when real estate really started to come to the forefront. I didn't actually get my license until like 2012. Okay. 
okay. um, which is a 2012. Well, yeah, because I studied off market for like three years. So I was closing like off market deals before I even had a license. And then I started, once I got my license, I started working on market. But during those transitional times, so between 2008 to 2010, and then again from 2010 to 2012-ish or 13-ish, I just dedicated a lot of my time to knowledge. I just wanted to know as much as I possibly could about real estate. So I started looking into, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad Philosophies by Robert Kiyosaki. I started reading his books, um... I started reading books like Who Moved My Cheese and things like that. Just really going to the internet. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I disappear off of the internet all the time. Um, over the years, I'll detox for six months, a year sometimes, and I'll pop back up here and there. But I use that time on the internet to just watch YouTube videos, connect with other people who were already doing the business. Um, I just started literally searching for how, how to understand credit, how to understand. I started using my time different. Um, and that's when I started to just gain more knowledge. And from there, it became a passion. Awesome. So when you start talking about this with family and friends, how awkward were you to them? Or was it uncomfortable to them? It was uncomfortable for uh, me, for sure. Because like I say, these aren't conversations that my parents have been having with me. So now when I come to them and I say, hold on, I want a 750 credit score. They're looking at me like, you know, it's almost, it was almost like my mom said it best. They didn't know what they didn't know either. Correct. Someone had to be the one to, to say, break you know what? Yes, you have to break that generate. They're calling it generational curses right yes. now, and it's true. It is a generational curse when no one in your family um, has excellent credit or credit good enough to go out and, and make sustainable purchases without putting down um, 10% and 20% and getting these high interest rates. So I realized that the poor people staying poor because they don't understand um, how important it is to have good credit. Bad credit can cost you money. So... Why people you ruin your life while them. your life is already ruined. It'll sink you deeper. It just sends you deeper. So you end up paying twice as much for a car. It doesn't make sense. You think if a person didn't make as much and didn't have as good a credit that they couldn't afford to pay twice as much for something. So when I started looking at that and saying, dang, I could get a 4% interest rate versus 19%. Yes, you can. Just by having a good credit score. Absolutely. So I was not met with the best um, you know, I was looked at as thinking I'm too good. I was looked at, I mean, I've been going with, <laughs> with my friends and family for a long time, and not just with credit, but with entrepreneurship, um, real estate, anything that you can think of. Um, it's just always been met by some type of adversity. I have a question Would you mind turning your phone sideways like this? There we go. Okay, that's the better image. All right, so I've experienced that, uh, I guess they call it the black sheep uh, okay. feeling when you decide to move forward and you decide to be more progressive than the people around you. To me, I'm more comfortable with it now over the last 10, 15 years of my life because I realize what it is. It's not just me being weird. It's me understanding who I am and knowing that knowledge is power, but it also depends on what we do with the things that we, that we know, correct? Mm -hmm. All right. 
So in that process, did you end up losing friendships with people or were they able to have a better understanding? You know what? I don't, I, I never, I never lose friendships with people over things like this because at the end of the day, um, I did my part by putting it out there. Okay. I'm an advocate for financial literacy now. I'm a real estate expert. Um, I can speak real estate in 10 different languages. It is my superpower. It is not for people around me to understand, love, or accept. I am going to continue to advocate for financial literacy and the power of ownership until the day that I die. Now, whether or not the people around me are wise enough now to soak up what I am sharing, that is completely on them. Their journey is theirs and theirs alone. And mine is mine and mine alone. But I do know that on a daily basis, I reach people. I help people. I consult with people. I solve problems for people. I have helped people out of foreclosure. I have helped people go from a 500 credit score to closing on a home. And those, the people who receive me, that is the only thing that I am worried about. So my friends and family, a lot of them have missed the beat. A lot of them are coming to me now saying, man, I, I think I'm ready to do this and I'm ready to do that or I'm working on it because that lets me know that even if they're not ready to receive, they are listening. Yes. They are doubling it's back. It's important. Things. It's important to have someone like you and others who do understand what it, what that's what, what uh, financial literacy is about. Um, like you said earlier, it's very taboo amongst us. The people that we know that do have money, have money, and no one ever talks about moving forward or helping others out. Um, and I'm around people from time to time that I know they want to be involved and they want to help other people out. But there are others who are just scared. They don't know what to do. They're very scared about telling people their personal business and what their credit score is. And it doesn't really matter. It's about helping you out to get to a better place, correct? Correct. And you don't have to overshare to do that. You don't have to have uncomfortable conversations. You don't have to boast. You don't have to look like money. You know, a lot of people have these. Um, and yes, I guess people have different approaches. They say that money attracts money. People tell me that I should look a certain way and dress a certain way if I want more people to listen to me. And I tell them all the time, I just, this is naturally who I am. It's not a gimmick. It's not a brand. It is not any of those things. It is, it is what I embody every day. Um, I definitely think that people should be more receptive to the idea of learning from someone other than the powers that be. So people that they look at as more successful. Because I learned that a lot I, 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 right now. I know some mentors um, all over um, Facebook that financial situations ain't that great. Um, a lot of them, some of them are my clients. <laughs> So who call and consult with me about real estate transactions and different types of business um, ventures that they want to get involved in, they consult with me. And I know what some of their financial situations are, but they look like money, mm -hmm. right? So I would tell people my advice about that would be to don't worry about that kind of stuff. Just do what's in your heart to do. Share do what you, you believe want. That's a, do you believe that's a false narrative of looking like money? this whole Instagram or social media age that we live in now, where people think that, you know, putting the money phone to your ear and all this glamour and glitz, you think that's overhyped and oversaturated? Um, I do. 
I think it creates a false expectation of what life is like, especially with our youth, our younger generation. Um, It's nothing wrong with having fun. I don't judge people for whatever they choose to do. I'm one of those people. um, I'm one of those. I man, my business. It works for me. And I let people do what works for them. So I, I, let's get that out there. Yeah, I get that part, but there is a, there's a caveat here. Because our children do not know what to expect. We, we have to show them what is acceptable and what is reality. And for me, 22 year olds on, on there, on, on the Instagram wearing $1,500 shoes and, you know, $3,000 bags and, it is not realistic, and I'm just trying to see when is this bubble gonna burst. Um, it's not. It's not. I think you know that. Well, you know what? I think the real. I think reality hasn't set in. I think that people, people, whatever they are doing to attain these things, um, which all of it is not legal. <laughs> a lot of them are attaining these things using fraudulent activities and things like that, and it's unrealistic because when I was 22. Um, I did not wear $2,000 shoes and a lot of them still living at home and they don't know anything about financial literacy. They don't know anything about the power of ownership and the importance of just building a sustainable future. It's good for now, but I do think the bubble's going to burst. And when it does, reality is going to set in for a lot of people. It's going to be a lot more depression, a lot more psychosis, a lot more issues in those generations of children. Um, like, you know, 22, the, the millennials and on down. They're going to um, be I'm not going to say anybody's name, but I know some people who do it for the gram. Uh, they're Instagram models or whatever, and they, they look good online, but um, they don't have nothing in the bank account. And it's a very sad situation when you talk to them and you hang out with them. I just know them from me networking and being around the city of Chicago and just moving around uh, the United States of America, period. And I've met some of these people and they don't have a lot and the stuff that they do get, they acquire it from scamming or for selling their body, all right? Now, I'm not knocking nobody for what they do. I've made mistakes in life. I've done some things that I'm not necessarily proud of. But there has to come a point in time in their life where you have to step up and have accountability and responsibility for your lifestyle. Uh, and you have to want more than what people like and post. There has to be some actual, something that you can hold on to. So tell me about this, what, what it is that you do. You wanna go further into it? Sure. So outside of helping people every day, understand the first time home buyer process, um, I also help sellers um, list on the market at a competitive price. Um, I am a real estate consultant. I offer full a range of real estate consulting services that range from um, property management, project management. Um, those are on the higher end consulting services. And then I also do um, scope of works. I walk properties for investors that live out of state. Um, I do off-market purchases, um, wholesales, just any real estate strategy you can think of. Um, I've probably done it or facilitated a deal. Um, I do make very good money doing that. Stephanie, Um, Jeffrey, do you have a website that you would like to mention right quick? I do have two websites. I have jslchicago.com. That is my brokerage that I partner with a friend of mine, Sarah. Um, and we we actually 
am partnered with Compass, that is a major nationally known real estate brokerage company. So we started a team under there, and that's jslgroupchicago.com. And then I have ownership and equity, which is my new baby. And under the ownership and equity brand, I will be doing more education because people are always asking me to do classes, hosts, webinars, and things like that. Um, and I'm just too busy on the day-to-day working to really slow down and create that content. So I'm doing that now. Okay. So ownershipandequity.com is my site. And on there, you will learn things like how to buy a multifamily um, property using the FHA loan, um, how to maximize your earning potential there, how to house hack, um, just, you know, a bunch of different things. Awesome. I like these ideas. Uh, and I'm glad that you are sharing them and, and going over it with people. So if I need a property management group, I can come to you then, right? You could. Yeah. Awesome. And I, if I don't personally do it, I'll, I'll put you with a company. I'll match you with the company. Okay. okay. All right. So tell me about uh, life growing up in Chicago. Where did you grow up at? <laughs> I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Um, I grew up off of Cottage Grove and 75th Street. Um, actually, I'm one of them girls that you can consider state from state to the lake. Um, that's my, I'm from the south side, southeast side. I'm an east side girl. Um, I grew up in some of the roughest neighborhoods in Chicago. I saw a lot growing up. Um, I was homeless at times. Um I wouldn't say homeless like I didn't know that. Come on, now you got you got to talk about that because I didn't know that. You said you, you do that out there. Talk about it. Yeah, so like there were times where I was uh, displaced. Let's put it that way. Not necessarily homeless because I've always had a, a roof over my head. And my parents were amazing parents. Um, but as most of our parents did back then, they've had their issues that they suffered through for a period of time. And it did displace me and my brother were separated um, for some time. Um, but my parents were able to pull it back together. They actually got married when I was 16. I got pregnant with my oldest son. I was so they, got, they got married and then you got pregnant. I got, they got married after I got pregnant. Okay. Okay. So everyone likes to say that my son is the one that brought the family back together because my mom and dad have been separated for a long time, like okay. years. Um, literally years. Like he had another girlfriend. My mom dated other guys. And then when I was 16, I got pregnant with my oldest son, who's 22 now, by the way. And um, my parents rallied behind me and they supported me. I was able to graduate high school on time. I went to college. I went to NIU for college. And um, it's just, I mean, it was not easy. And I can't say there were a lot of influences in my community growing up, but other than getting pregnant at 16, I actually was a pretty reasonable kid. So I didn't have, I don't have no horror stories about like being wild and off the chain and stuff like that. Um, I remember seeing you around school and you seemed very pleasant. You had your times where you would, if someone was stepping on your shoes, you would, you would step back on theirs, but I don't ever remember you being like, uh, too wild or anything just making sure that people gave you the respect that you uh, deserve for sure like I didn't take no mess I'm not a complete pushover I'm an Aquarius woman so I'm definitely an alpha woman I got a strong personality but I definitely mad my business I got the same I'm really the same girl now that I was then just more mature, sophisticated uh, but I always been the same way I mad my business I stay to myself 
if you know me, to know me is to love me. If you didn't know me, you probably was missing out. Um, I know from the times I've seen you since school, um, if you don't see me and I recognize you, it's still you You still give me a hug and keep going. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, Pep. And, sure. and, I forgot, and you'll be like, why don't you stop and talk to me? I was like, cuz, Steph, I see. I know what you're doing. Like, you're moving. And I know what that is. I know what that is. Always. Yeah, so I know that you're in a mood. I see you with, You might have three or four friends around you or something like that. So I know to just give you a hug, say, hey, peace, queen, love you. And I keep on going because that's, personally, that's just me uh, all the time anyway. I don't like you to- you always been that. the same. Yeah. You guys been real cool and down to earth. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, like, I think, and I think people recognize that about me. Um, one thing that I get a lot is that people think I'm authentic, especially people who are taking the time to get to know me. So my clients, I get that a lot. I service a lot of CVS clients. A lot of my clients have graduated either before me or with me. Um, they, they entrust me with their business. I help a lot of their family members. I am a 100% referral-based business in my real estate business. So um, everyone that I've sold a home to since I got started in real estate years ago has come from someone else that I helped. So I have yet to run an ad or campaign or pay for leads or any of that that warms my heart to know that people all these years, 20 years, 15 years, still trust me um, and consider me when they want to do business. And I, I really appreciate that. And you know what that really is? It's just your character. I appreciate that. It's your character. Uh, a man named John York told me that I had two things in his life. He said, you have your character and you have your reputation. He said, anybody in this world can give you a reputation just based on them talking to you for the first time ever. He said, but your character is what defines you. When people honestly know you and they know your character, a lot of times it's just going to shine through and it'll show people who you are naturally because it's repetitious. You can't fake character. Character can't be fake. A reputation just can't be given because you may be having a bad day. I've had bad days plenty of times. Or it's not even a bad day, it's just me wanting to get home. You know, when people want to stop and talk to me and shoot the shit like they normally do because I'm known to be a guy that everybody wants to be around from time to time. Mm -hmm. But there are times when I don't want to be bothered. And those mm -hmm. times people say, yo, he's a, he a shitty person. He's an asshole. And I don't, although I can, can be an asshole, that's not necessarily my complete character. That's just a reputation mm -hmm. you got for me that day. So overall, I think, Steph, as far as I've known you since French class, maybe, <laughs> um, you've had a pretty good character. Uh, and it's I, I would say that about you. You. You are Thank one you. of the few people that when I see, I can actually say, I love you, Stephanie, and give you a hug and keep going. Absolutely. I love there ain't too, too many people love. that can say that about me. I don't do that. <laughs> it's don't all do love that. all the time. All and the like time. I say, we all, I think that, I think that when you're from Chicago, it's, it's, it's like, it's all of those things combined in you. So yeah, I can be a bitch if I have to. Yeah. I can be, you know, I can be whatever I need to be. Chicagoans are chameleons. We can blend and we can make things, you know, work or not work. It's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I always tell people, you come correct or you might leave corrected. It just depends on what type of mood I'm in that day. But for the most part, I mean, I'm pretty easy going, pretty easy to work with, especially when it comes to business. For me, it's just business. And you know, I try to be as professional as possible, but I'm also real and authentic. I have children. I have family. Um, I have things that go on in my life as well. 
things are not always perfect. Um, this year in particular was really rough year for me, um, emotionally and mentally, um, losing my dad. I lost my dad at the top of the year. My that was really difficult. Uh, because my father has been in my life forever and he was like my best friend and he took care of me. You know, you know, you always had that one person in your life that just like, look out, you know, like yeah. he, my dad took care of me. I had a really good relationship with my father and I uh, miss him. And then after that, right after that COVID started, then the riots and it has just, just been one big roller coaster ride. Like, yeah. It's been a crazy roller coaster ride. This it year. has. It's been yeah. really wild. Um, I think to go back on one of the things you said, that Chicago mentality, being able to adjust to the many things that we have to face and deal with has helped a lot of us out, especially coming from the, the black culture or African-American, or indigenous, whatever you want to call it. Um, when you're dealing with people, especially in real estate or just in general, do you sometimes look at people like, I know you lying, man. <laughs> Do you ever get like get, yeah. get that like when you just know people like, like it ain't genuine and you, do you ever have those moments and you look at them like what are you talking about? Every day, especially when I first got started in the business, mm-hmm. I realized quickly that um, real estate circle here is small. The industry is small. It looks like a lot of people doing business, but it's very small. And it's a gold mine I, too. Huh. It's a gold mine too, but that's it I- is a gold mine, but it's a lot of faking going on. It's a lot of people, you know. Uh, I used to, I remember when I first got started in the business, it was two things that was happening that irked me. One was that um, people were taking advantage of me. So when I first got started, I was eager to like work with people, learn things. Um, and I had a lot of investors who work here in the city. A lot of them, I won't say any names, but just about any property that you could see on the market. One of them has touched it. And I remember them like calling me, having me do things that they wouldn't call other realtors and had them do, you know, like run comps for them or go um, open doors for them. I remember an investor who was actually a family friend. She had me um, take her to see a property twice, same property twice. I ran all the numbers on this property and then she cut me out of the deal. Mm. And bought it directly from the seller. To cut me out of the, and the, the commission wasn't that much. The commission had to be about $2,500. But my thing is, this is how I feed my family. I had invested a lot of money in my real estate license at the time. The first year I was in real estate, I did not sell any houses. I think I sold one house on the market. And to have her do that, then I had another um, person who I won't name, um, <laughs> did the same thing to me and I'm thinking to myself and this is after me running numbers for them working with them on a property they wanted to sell I've taken them to see like 10 houses you know just working with them and considering these people friends and cut me out of a deal bought it directly from the seller just to cut me out of a commission but I worked with them for like two months and I was doing a commission of about maybe five or six grand no didn't care didn't care that I had a baby at home, you know? So it taught me early in the business how to spot the people who are serious about doing business and the people who are not. Now I have, I've had other businesses. So I've had a boutique, I've had a thrift store, brick and mortar, I've had an online store and I've never quite experienced 
business relationships how I have as a realtor because it's so intimate. It's so important. It's the biggest purchase that a person will ever make in life. When when will you ever drop $200,000 on something at one time? The average person will only do that once in a lifetime and that would be to buy a piece of property. And it's, it's very emotional experience. So we go through a lot with people on this journey. We are a counselor, a best friend, a realtor, a psychiatrist. Uh, we Sometimes we have to be, um, you know, a, a matchmaker, basically. We take on a lot. We wear a lot of hats um, as a realtor. So, yeah, I have learned how to value myself and my time and who and how to discern um, what's for me. Steph, have you, do you have someone around you or a group of people around you to vent to to make sure that you don't carry all that? No, because here's the thing. What you see is what you get. And if you're a client of mine, they will tell you that. I tell it like it is. If you frustrate, if you're frustrating me or you're, if I feel like you're not keeping up as much integrity inside of a deal as I am, I will let it be known. And I don't care who you are, buyer, seller, another realtor, an attorney, appraiser, a lender, I will check them all and they know it. And when I need to be checked, I take full accountability for my actions too when I fall short. So with me, I don't hold anything in. What you see is what you get. I learned a long time ago working in resale at Nordstrom, Michigan Avenue, to leave that at the door. When I cross over into this house, <laughs> this is my safe place. And I don't carry I don't carry the stress of work awesome. um, around with me. Awesome. Are you comfortable with talking to me about Crohn's, Crohn's disease? Sure. So tell me how, how that happened uh, when you were diagnosed and everything. Um, so I had to start getting sick. Um, like I said, I thought I had the flu. So they kept telling me, oh, like, you got the stomach flu, you have the stomach flu. And they just kept sending me back home. Oh, uh, you have, um, they kept just misdiagnosing me. And one day I just got so malnutrition that I passed out and I had to go into the hospital for like, I want to say it's like a month, maybe like four weeks. And I did talk about it on social media at the time. This was over 10 years ago. And um, I got a biopsy done and it came back as Crohn's. And then I started the healing process. So I started to try to figure out, okay, what can I do to keep myself in remission? Because I didn't want to be taking, you know, medication all the time and stuff like that. So I finally found a regimen that worked for me which is um, I do a Remicade treatment every eight weeks. I go into the doctor's office. Remicade? Yes. yes. Remicade is a treatment. It's actually an arthritis medication that's been around forever. Um, and it helps people um, who have like rheumatoid arthritis and different things, different autoimmune diseases um, to help them stay just healthy. Pretty much it, it causes like pain, pain relief for certain people um and it also doubles as a Crohn's treatment it just works for Crohn's patients so I have a mild case of Crohn's I don't have um, an excessive case or anything like that we caught it pretty early and I drink water religiously so anybody who knows me will tell you I don't drink anything else it's either H2O or tequila there's really <laughs> No in between. <laughs> There's really no in between for At me. Like, liquor. At least you know your liquor. 
that's the only one that I can, the way that it's made, it's the only one that I can digest without having issues with my Crohn's. So that's really what it was for me. It was about education. So I um, started to just figure out, okay, what can I eat? What should I stay away from? What type of liquor could I drink? I know I cannot drink vodka. I know I cannot drink certain types of alcohol. So it's just about that being everything in moderation. So I don't drink a lot. Um, but yeah, and I've been managing well. So the Remicade has been working for me. I've been in remission now for about five, six years, five or six years. I haven't had any major hospitalization since then, but it was hard in the beginning. As Almost that twice. Did they ever tell you about using cannabis to help? Have you ever tried that? I told them about using cannabis to help. <laughs> so every time, every time they ask me, do I smoke? I'd be like, not cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I love and it. Just, I love it. My doctor just it. laughs and I'd be like, hey, you asked, but um, I, do, I do not smoke tobacco paper. Okay. Um, um, ever. So, so you, are you using enemies or um any type of organic wrap or a bowl or something like that and again that's like more bowls moderate are. use huh bowls are awesome mm. bowls um. are awesome oh yes they are yeah um, just straight to the assistant you'll be all right yes yeah, nice so <laughs> yeah but even that's moderate and use but it does help it does help yes it does um i i know someone with crohn's and Usually they're around me when they feel like they need to do what they need to do. So it's comfortable because I stay by myself and I just let them go ahead and do do whatever it is they do because they have kids. Mm-hmm. And, and then they come over here just to you know get away and, and I have a very peaceful environment around me. So I don't allow no, I don't allow nonsense into this area that you see. So uh, they come over. Like yeah, and they and they when they come over here they. Relax. Uh, what was it, Debbie Allen, when she was on Different Different World? Relax, relate, release. And they come over here and they do that, and I leave them alone. So um, I yes. salute you for being able to stay strong and continue to uh, move forward and be pro- progressive and productive. Along the way, you end up having another child, correct? Correct. Um, I did. I had Dylan in 2012 and that was a turning point for my Crohn's also because they told me that I would never be able to nurse a baby for to full term um so Crohn's affects people different ways for me it affected mainly um my lower intestines and so basically digesting things so for example if I, if you drink a glass of milk, which I don't recommend you do, but if you did, you're going to extract from that milk, the vitamin D, the calcium, whatever nutrients you need from that milk, and then your body will release the rest of it, right? That's how it's supposed to go. But with me, if I drink a glass of milk, my body was saying at the time, hold on, we don't know what this is. We don't want it. It's foreign to us, which it is. So this is when I started to change my relationship with the type of foods that I ate because I never drank milk. But once I realized that milk was not natural for my body anyway, it made sense that my body would be rejecting it. So I'm I'm starting as I get older, I'm getting more and more in tune with that. Like what naturally, what my body naturally is supposed to have. How do I keep it healthy? How do I keep it in self-healing mode? 
because our bodies can self-heal themselves. So I've been really trying to get up on my, um, you know, nutrition. get my game up when it comes to that, so nutrition overall. Yeah. But what essentially what happened is my body would say, okay, we don't want the milk. We don't want the vitamin D. We don't want the calcium. We don't want any of it. It just go in and it go out, right? And I wasn't absorbing any of those nutrients. And, my, and the reason being is because my body was fighting, my immune system was fighting so hard to fight that Crohn's that it was, it was just rejecting everything. It did not, it was not able to determine what was foreign and what was not. So essentially it would cause me to go into malnutrition because I wasn't absorbing nutrients from anything I ate or drank. Okay. Okay. So because of that being one of my main things that I dealt with, I mean, it would get to the point where my body would reject water. And I would have to go into the hospital until I can go from liquids. I would go from IV to liquids, to soft foods, to, to, you know, solid foods. Then I would be able to go home. And sometimes it would take two to three weeks for that process to take place. So I would get so malnutrition to the point where my body would not even accept water. Then I would have to go. It's like a never end the cycle for about three years. So approaching the end of that, like around 2011, I'm like, man, if I don't have, I was, I was 29 at the time. And I'm like, if I don't have any more kids by the time I'm 30, I don't want no more because I don't want to go through this. And they're telling me that I would never have enough nutrients in my body to carry a baby full term anyway. So I kind of gave up on it. And, but I kept praying about it though. I was praying about it every day. Like, please let it happen. Please let it happen. So what happened two weeks before, I think it was not even about a week before my 30th birthday. I found out I was pregnant with Dylan. Wow. Yep. I found out I was pregnant with Dylan. And then I decided after talking to my family, my dad was with me at the hospital when I found out I was pregnant. And they told me in that room that, my baby had a 37% chance of survival mm. and that I needed to do a DNC, which is basically a medically assisted abortion. They did not recommend that I left that day with that baby. And it was because I was there because I was sick. I didn't know I was pregnant. Wow. I was malnutrition. I couldn't drink water. I couldn't hold nothing down. So that's how I ended up there. And I left with a baby in my stomach. So for a second, hold on before you go forward. How does it happen? What what happens that your body locks up and you can't you can't take in water? Um, I just think it's oh, it, when anybody who has ever suffered from malnutrition, um, and I'm not talking about the same as like um, not eating or starvation or anything like that. When you starve yourself your body goes into survival mode. It starts to say, we're not getting anything. We need to start preserving. It'll start eating at itself then, huh? It'll just start preserving. So whatever you already have in your body, it's going to start preserving that. You're going to start to retain weight, fat fat pockets and things like that. So that's why people who starve themselves sometimes gain weight instead of lose weight. Or they have trouble maintaining after they lose, say somebody starved themselves and they lose 20 pounds, they're going to gain it right back as soon as they start eating because the body is just, is just waiting on you to basically give it what it needs so it can store it. 
Does that make sense? Because it's thinking that you're going to starve it. So anything that you eat, instead of it going in, burn it off as calories or fat or whatever, it's just going to start sticking to you. So I was going back and forth with a lot of these different things. Basically, malnutrition is almost like starving yourself. Because the body essentially is just not getting what it needs. And once it's been doing that for so long, it will start to shut down. So my organs were starting to shut down. Mm. I've almost died twice. Once in Jamaica when I was on vacation with my mom. Um, and then once here in the States when I was in the hospital. Um, when I they literally just when if you cannot eat, what 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 are you gonna do? What are you gonna do if you can't eat? What what's gonna happen? I mean, now you could probably live without food, but you cannot live without water. Nope. So the organs start to shut down. And that's what was happening. I was throwing up water like the exorcist. I'll never forget one day. My mom was scared as hell. Are you in Jamaica at this time or are you you, you home? I was in Jamaica. Wow. 2008. And you're throwing up like it's just all liquid. It was just, and the crazy thing is I hadn't eaten in three days. And they had me on bed rest at the hotel because anytime you have something that resembles a virus, they don't let you um, move about. Yeah. they'll restrict you to your hotel room so that's what happened the first three days i was in jamaica i was okay the first day but the second day and the third day it just was a rapid decline and my mom ironically had met a guy on the elevator who was there he was from there but he had been living in the united states so he spoke english very clearly and his brother was a doctor on the island and he was working for a pharmaceutical company. He was there for a pharmaceutical convention at the hotel. And he came to my room, picked me up and carried me out that, that, that hotel and took me to the doctor. Um, because it was very, I could have definitely, uh, actually, as a matter of fact, when I got to the doctor, they told him that I was very close to, um, like basically my organ shutting down. Mm-hmm. So I stayed there for like a day or two. Um, one thing I can't tell you about that experience is that um, I got the same round of medication that I always get, even when I was there, right? So you get the doctor, the the doctor, the pharmacy, everything in one place there. So um, my bill was $42. This is for a day and a half stay at the hospital, two ultrasounds, a full line of medication for two weeks two weeks worth of medication um, and a follow-up visit before I left the island um, so that I could fly home. Um, $42. Imagine that. (laughs) One Remicade treatment. One Remicade treatment is $22,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. $42. $42 American dollars. I'm not lying. You pay 20% of the actual bill in America. $42. $42. I couldn't believe it. So, yeah. But he healed me. He healed me quicker and faster than any other doctor here ever did. They had me in there for two, three weeks. He had me out of his office in a day and a half. For years, I've been talking about nutrition and uh, eating the right things to make sure that our bodies run well and perform well, to make sure that we are healing ourselves and giving ourselves the best chance to survive. And I've looked like a weirdo over the years from saying this stuff until now that people are seeing it and they're seeing the results of actually eating the bad foods, the sugary foods and and realizing 
that some of the stuff that, that we, we're taking in is just really bad for us. Um, and now you see more people talking about getting healthy and, and taking care of their bodies properly and exercising and dieting correctly. And, and I'm proud of everyone who is doing it. I'm just, it just sucks that some in your position, you know, you have to struggle with something that you didn't ask for, you know what I mean? But you, you're able to get your diet together and be able to take care of yourself correctly. And I salute I'm you. Trying. Thank you. I'm trying. It's difficult because, you know, like with Crohn's, we can't eat a lot of raw, um, what do you call it? Um, roughage. Okay. So we can't eat a lot of salad, can't eat like a lot of raw vegetables. Like it can be difficult to diet on this particular nutrient um, regimen, but I'm trying. Yeah, I'm I know uh, a young man, I know his wife, when we went out for Italian food one time. Mm-hmm. She she placed the order for food, I think. I can't remember. I had to ask him how it goes, but she ordered the food and a lot of the food that she ordered was uh, it was very different than we're used to eating. So she ordered pizza, but the pizza didn't have a lot of tomato sauce on it. Where it didn't have a lot of cheese and things like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a red leaf lettuce or something like that. It was very particular it was weird eating it, but some of it was actually good, and I hadn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't tried it. And I think he was like, "Yo, you just doing that to to make sure that she's comfortable? Are you doing that to make sure that she's comfortable?" I'm like, "No, it's kind of like weird, but it's okay. Like I ha- I don't eat like this normally." And then he said, "Hey, my wife has Crohn's," and I was like, yeah. "Oh shit, that makes a lot of sense." Then he was like, "Well, we're more comfortable with you because we understand you. You're you're big on being able to eat healthy." I said, yeah, I am. I do like to pig out. That's why I, I thought we were here to pig out. He's like, no, she has Crohn's and everything. But yeah, uh, yeah, because yeah. that Crohn's is a, a, a something it's crazy. It's a beast. It's a beast. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, and it's something. It's something that I want. I want to normalize. And something else I was saying around the time I got sick. You notice how, like, um, back in the day, I think the big disease was um, acid reflux. It seems to me that sometimes they're creating these diseases so that they can sell their drugs, basically. You want if you want to talk about it, I'll talk about it with you because we we know it to be true, right? We just know right. you know what that is. We know what that is. We, we it's did. almost like a trend. Yes. Yes. So so Crohn's has started to trend. I've never seen so many people getting diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome. IBS, um, you know, I'm sorry. I, I IBS, irritable bowel. You're playing with the phone. I know it's, it's been going crazy too. Um, but all those things, I hadn't seen that until recently. No, it's been ha- it's been happening. You just you know you just have an understanding of it now because you're more familiar with Crohn's. But um, irritable irritable bowel syndrome. The other one was erectile dysfunction, um, severe coughs. They've been doing it for, for, for a while, for years. Even when we were, we were kids, they were doing it, saying if you have bronchitis, you should take this. Or if you have asthma, you, you, you should take this. Well, yeah, but not that part of it. I'm talking about the phenomenon of it. So like every now and then, so now, so now, right now, I haven't seen a commercial for acid reflux medication in a while. 
As a matter of fact, now I'm starting to see the opposite, which is if you've ever taken Zyrtex and suffered from this, if you had a family member that died from side effects of taking Zyrtex, which is, I mean, not Zyrtex. Is it Zyrtex? That's for allergies. I don't know. Whatever. There was this really popular medication out when they were advertising for um, acid reflux disease. Okay. And they had everybody taking this medication who thought they had acid reflux. Now I don't see those commercials anymore. Now I see the commercial saying if that drug made you sick or, or if someone you know has died from side effects caused by that medication mm-hmm. to call us so we can file a lawsuit for you. Wow. <laughs> and now I'm seeing commercials about Crohn's that I did not see 15 years ago. Okay. Or I, 20, I you understand what I'm saying? Now they're saying everybody has it. You're seeing commercials about it and all these different medications you can take. And now I'm just wondering what's going to be the next thing. I know, you know a woman who died from it. Uh, she struggled with it. She it was very, very aggressive. Um, and she was always in pain. She was always struggling to uh, keep herself together. I think she had like three kids. Um, and the kids were aware that there was something wrong with her. But not until like the last year of her life did she let them know what she was struggling with. And I think this is my assumption. I'm not saying this is what actually happened. I think that she did that. She told them mostly because she she was probably done with it. I don't think she wanted to keep um, fighting. Yeah, I think she was just done with it. And she kind of let them know what was going on and what was going on with her and how she felt about it. And the more sick she got, the more stuff that she let out when they weren't around. around. She would talk to us about certain things and mm. tell us to make sure that we took care of our kids. But in listening to her talk, her conversation was very, she was very strong and proactive for her kids, but she was let, letting you know, like, look, I don't want to do this no more. Yeah. Do this no more. So, I, again. Well, I'm not never giving up the no, fight. No, no, again, I, I, like- I salute you because she had a very, she had a very hard bout. It would be it would be days where you would go see her and she would walk around and then fall, you know. And it was just it was very from being weak. Yeah, she just couldn't or in pain. Yeah, just a lot of pain for her, and, and it would bother us because sometimes, you know, for me, I, I don't seeing women in pain is like one of the worst things, especially because I saw my mom go through so much stuff, just dealing with life in general and dealing with my dad. Um, so watching her have to go through a lot of the things that she was going through. It always bothered me when I would leave. Like, am I leaving her alone to suffer or will she be okay? And we would always check on her and, and make sure she was good and everything. But she had a letter. Yeah. She just let us know how she felt about everything. So, um, again. That's good. Just continue to support the people in your life. Anyone suffering from any chronic illness like that they constantly have to deal with day in and day out um it's a process like being patient with them i remember my me and my brother would always get into it because he would just be like oh you just being lazy and i'm just like when have i ever been lazy like i i mean i'm your work two three jobs go to school you know i mean i'm one of them up at the crack of dawn you know the first person up and the last one down so it's like I never, I never understood. I never knew what it was like to be, you, you, you know, dependent. You've always been an awesome person to me, Steph. You've always been an awesome person to me. Again, I would not give you a hug and tell you I love you <laughs> if I, I appreciate that. And you can ask my little sister. She'll tell you, yo, he, he can be very, I can be very difficult, but I know, I know what I know. And I, when I know what I know, I know it's real. And you're mm-hmm. one of the very few people who I tell that. And Thank if you. I tell you that I mean it. And along the Thanks, way, man, I appreciate that. 
If along the way I found out it ain't real, then I'll take the shit back. Like, man, you was <laughs> it's always all love with me like i tell people all the time what you see is what you get yeah um i remember i used to be a lot more vocal on social media sharing my thoughts and views and opinions about certain things and i mean i just i you know i do miss communicating with the people like that but if you blessed to still know me and blessed to you know be able to call my phone or get any type of um you know time out of me you'll know that you know it's nothing but love um, and you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to what's to come. I'm telling everybody right now. Um, what time is it? Am I late? 3.53. Okay. So we got about 10 more minutes, but <laughs> I want people to know <laughs> just cause I got, I got people calling me. They like, listen, girl, you need to get with it. Um, <laughs> I have to start calling people back or they start knocking on my front door. That's how, that's how bad it is. Um, but I want people to understand and know one thing. Do not be defeated by 2020 and this whole pandemic thing. I want you guys to understand something. Whether you think it's real, fake, whatever, I'm not here to debate that. Although I am a huge conspiracy theorist and I have my thoughts <laughs> about all of this stuff. Um, but I want you guys to always remember that when it's a lot of stuff going on like that and they're trying to distract us, that's the perfect time to get in line, realign your chakras get in line remember when cat william was um talked about being in tune with your star player see back then that was just funny to me it was 2020 20 it was just a joke to me then it wasn't to me nothing he it said was, early on was, was 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 funny to me when he was talking was, about everything going to the to the uh sniffing when they were sniffing cocaine in front of him i knew what that was i knew what he was talking about that's why i didn't laugh i laughed but i knew what it was i should say that i don't i don't i just remember him always saying you know you need to be in tune with your star player you need to get to know yourself absolutely and if and i could almost speak for everybody if you think about it right now in your life 2020 has exposed everything you need to know about your life it exposed every friend every fake every every job that you're not supposed to have they exposed everything that it needed to expose to you about people and about the trajectory of your life, where your life is headed. And if you're paying attention, it is the perfect time to realign yourself and get ready for what's next. Because, you know, we fall as a nation, we fall, but we're going to get back up again. We've been here before where things, things have never been this bad, but we have been in economic crisis before. I know a lot of people right now that are not working that don't have a way to take care of their kids. We have people homeschooling. Their kids don't know what's going on. The children are suffering. Um, people not allowed to move about freely. It can cause you to have just a, a mental breakdown if you're not careful. But don't get distracted. Understand, I know you still need to feed your family. You still need to provide for yourself and your children. And you need to um, prepare for the future. Do not get too distracted by, by what's going on. Absolutely. And with that said, I will kill niggas dead. That's a Jay-Z line. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get off because I know you got to get off and you got to get into other stuff. Steph, you're beautiful. I love you. I love you for taking Thank you too, Matt. I thank you for uh, the time and I appreciate it. I'll let you go no ahead. No problem. And do, all right? No problem. I want everybody to remember that I am, one thing I wanted to share with you guys before I go, I am dropping a class for um, the day of... December 1st, I believe, a few days after Thanksgiving. And it is going to be a family masterclass. So it's going to be teaching you everything from, um, goodness, 
Credit 101, DIY credit, how to fix your credits yourself. There's going to be an ebook that will teach you exactly what to do, um, everything from trying to get student loans removed to just everything you need to do will be in that, that week's class. It's going to be an eight-week course, and each week we're going to be breaking down a different topic. So it'll be everything from credit DIY to becoming a business and how I feel that every person should be a business, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. And I'll break that down and explain that to you, why that's important. Um, we're going to be doing building business credit. We're going to be doing the, um, the falsehood of fix and flip, just showing people that, hey, everybody want to fix and flip and showing them how much of a mess that can be and how people have lost their life savings. Getting into those types of deals and how to tiptoe your way into real estate, um, breaking down the FHA loan. Like there's so many things. And then protecting the legacy is the last class. So you build all these assets, you build all this wealth. And then what do you do with it then? And teaching people that setting up a family trust and how to protect your assets and all that type of stuff. Trying to practice what I preach um, on a larger scale. So that class is dropping. It'll be $199, I believe, for a family of four. So that for roughly $50 per person in a family of four, you guys can have access to this information and also access to me to call and consult with me for a year. So I should drop this before I do anything else then. What? I should drop this. I should just chop it up and just drop this. Okay. Yeah. That'd be fine. December first is when you when you're gonna. December first is when that class is dropping. The website is up, but the class is not there. So again, that's ownershipandequity.com, and that that whole site is dedicated to you know things like this, different content that I'll be dropping on that site. So you guys can go on there, sign up for newsletters to stay in touch with me, um, or you can follow me on social media. Uh, Stephanie Jeffrey is my Facebook. It's just my name. And then on Instagram, I'm the queen of real estate. Um, just like that. You'll see me pop up. And then JSL Chicago, again, is my brokerage. And you can follow us there as well. Thank you again, Steph. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Matt. Have you a have a great day. You too. I'm going to go and right. enjoy it. I'm going to try, but I guess I actually got to work now. So we'll All see. right. Thank All you. right. Bye.